going on? It is the Ethos Clippers podcast coming at you here on Friday evening, minutes after the Los Angeles Clippers cling on to dear life against the Memphis Grizzlies in what had to have been one of the worst wins of the season for the Clippers. But as we say on this podcast, a win is a win. I'm your host, Brandon Marcus at BD Marcus, joined by Matt Matawarn back on the Ethos Clippers podcast. Matt, how are you, my friend? Sports ethos, Clipper Nation, Brandon Marcus, how the heck are you? Boy, the Clippers, as I said before, they were walking in Memphis because there was no hustle in this game. Um, and I like that you uh, brought up the Star Trek reference that they, they were Klingon to win this uh, game. So nice Star Trek reference. Unintentional. So there you go. But I appreciate it. Um, man, the last couple of games, um, not how you wanted to come out of the All-Star break. Obviously, yesterday, getting slaughtered by the Thunder. Um, they couldn't really stop a damn thing, and they were stopping you left and right when you're on the offensive end. And then you look at today's game, where the Clippers committed 12 turnovers in the first half, ended up having 20 for the game. Um, the big difference was that Memphis turned it over a little bit in the second half after only committing, I believe, four turnovers in the first half. They ended up with 12, so both teams with eight. In the second half, offensive rebounds was, I believe, 10-2 to at halftime. Um, wrote that one down, and offensive rebounds was indeed 10-2. to It ended up at 14-14. So the Clippers finally got some rebounds down the stretch. Memphis had 20 more shots at the end of the first half. They ended up with seven more shots when all was said and done. But the Clippers had four more made threes, four more made three free throws, and they escaped Memphis with a win, a much-needed victory, because the Clippers would have been really screwed if they would have lost this ball game. And you, you say, why is that with still 27 games to play? And that is because now we're getting dangerously close to falling away from that one seed, and the two seed is right there as well. That could be the Clippers losing their grip, considering that Minnesota and OKC have come out strong. I mean, OKC just throttled Washington earlier today after beating the Clippers so it wasn't a great performance. Um, two pretty bad games by the Clippers, and we're going to get into it, Matt. Um, we'll start with today's game because it's fresh in our minds. The game just ended. Um, I mentioned some numbers there from the first half and the second half, and the shooting, the rebounding, the turnovers. What stood out the most for you in this ball game? I mean, the first half was a slog. It was terrible. The only people that really kind of seemed like they came to play where T-Man, who we can get into because he was actually stellar in this game, and Zoo. But in the first half, nobody else really seemed like they came to play. Uh, Harden, he must have been on Beale Street or something because the night before, uh, even though it was a back-to-back. But there was just zero, not that there was zero effort, but there was like zero execution. There there were missed, and, and more more list, missed layups at the rim. There were errant passes that you know, just should have been easy dunks. There was defensive lapses all over the place. I mean, look, here's how you know that the Clippers were sleeping in this first half. They brought out their pajamas. Pajamas Tucker actually came in and played in the first half. So these guys were asleep. It, it was it was terrible. They didn't even really turn it on in the second half, to be honest with you. They won kind of just talent, sort of won, won the day. I, I was not very impressed with anything except for T-Man, at least his willingness to be aggressive uh, and his prowess on the boards. You talk about offensive boards. He had five of them, five of the 14, speaking of T-Man. And then, of course, 
you have your safety valve in Kawhi, who was 10 of 18, but it just, uh, what stood out to me, it was just, it was ugly, ugly basketball. I, I don't know if it's rust. I don't know if it's now that these lofty expectations are on the guys, it's maybe it's weighing on them. Who knows? But it, 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 and it can't just be the absence of Norman Powell. No, but like, that was large. It can't be that. No, but that was large. And you and I have talked about this on the podcast numerous times that we wondered what would the Clippers bench look like if Norm Powell missed a game? Because obviously we thought that there may have been a concussion um, heading into the All-Star break that may have limited him and said he came back the next game. So we never saw what the Clippers bench was going to look like. And we did today. And like you said, Pajamas was back in the rotation, played 14 minutes, no points, no shot attempts, three rebounds, two fouls. He was a minus four. Um, he didn't look comfortable at all when he was next to a center. Um, it didn't look that way, at least. Better when they had to go to him as a small ball center when Zoo picked up five fouls um, in the third quarter. And once he picked up that fifth foul, the Clippers had to find something. I mean, they brought in Westbrook, they brought in Coffee to go with those five, and then all of us with the three stars, and then they went to pajamas. But to go off what we were just talking about, no norm, and your bench is Westbrook, Plumley, Tucker, and Coffee, dude. That is not the bench of a team that wants to win a title. I mean, that is really bad. It's crazy. You lose one player, and you lose that much juice offensively. I mean, you look at how many times Kawhi was double teamed. And man, we're gonna go in many different directions in this game because there was a lot that really stood out for me. Um, but you look at how many times Kawhi was double teamed, and he was looking for guys to hit shots. And James Harden sure as hell wasn't hitting a shot. He was one of eight. PG didn't hit a damn shot until the fourth quarter. Um, left and right, Coffee was missing shots. Team Man was 9 of 17, but even he missed a bunch of open shots as well. But he was huge and in passed this game. Up a, and passed up a bunch, Team Man. I just want to bring that yeah, up. Yeah. Team Man passed up a bunch of shots. Listen, so did Kawhi. Kawhi had a couple of open shots. He had one on the baseline, and he gave yeah. an extra pass over to the wing uh, for a three, and I believe it was made by Team Man. But still, like... If you have Kawhi with an 18-footer on the baseline, that's that's a pretty high percentage shot. He chose not to take it, gave the extra pass to Team Man. Um, you mentioned something a couple of minutes ago, and it's something obviously that I tweeted about, that in the first half, it really was just Zoo and Team Man that seemed like they gave an F out there. I mean, the turnovers were dreadful all game, but especially in that first half where the Clippers just couldn't hold on to the basketball and Kawhi was terrible six turnovers for the game I believe he had four of those in the first half PG had five turnovers Harden had four turnovers and they were very sloppy it just was not good by the three stars at all in this ball game sure Kawhi had a couple of dunks um, he looked good in certain possessions but man th this is was not a good game at all and you look at what this team looks like without Norm Powell and it's not pretty man how many times have we come in this podcast and said, if you have one or if you have two of your starters struggling, it's going to be Norm Powell. It's going to be that other guy that has to step up to make it at least two players that are doing well. And even if one star is struggling, we're looking at guys like Coffey, Mann, Westbrook, Powell to step up and no Norm Powell. And Westbrook, I mean, was okay. Six of 15. He had a couple of very good moments. Like he had a one, like one small stretch. We had a couple of buckets, hit a big three. I think in the third quarter, but this team just looks very poor without Norman Powell. And it's, it's a bit concerning because you don't really want to be clinging onto dear life, knowing that if you don't have Kawhi, you don't have PG, 
you don't have Harden, you don't have Norm Powell, you don't have Zoo, you're probably screwed. And so this team really is truly one injury away from this season being kaput, which is, I think, the biggest takeaway that I had from today's ballgame. And and while I agree, I agree with that, I guess in principle, that Norm shouldn't be this important to the team. And I, I just want to push back. I don't think he is. I mean, he is, of course, so important. He's irreplaceable. Obviously, we said he, he's untradeable. He's just so great, but I don't. I can't imagine, especially from what we've seen, and we have like recent. We have this recency bias after the All Star break. I can't imagine Westbrook and Coffee being just as bad and as inefficient as they have been in in this game, and especially the Thunder game. I mean, Westbrook. That was maybe his worst game as a Clipper. It was absolutely horrendous. Yeah. So I, I think we need to put a little more faith or just sort of what those guys have sort of proven throughout this season before the all-star break that of course we need norm powell to be in there that's a given but we can't just brush aside coffee and westbrook these last two games were horrendous they were terrible westbrook was better this game of course he has some energy at least and he was he was mixing up he was getting in there at six of 15 which isn't so terrible i never like him taking four threes and amir just couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. But I don't think that I don't think we can discount what they did before the All-Star break. So yes, while Norm is certainly the most important uh bench player that we have, six man of the year candidate, I don't think that Westbrook and Coffee, or at least I hope they won't play this poorly, especially in a seven game series. I I, I can't see them just having this negative of an impact and i get that i do but my concern is that when you have the double teams that are being thrown at Kawhi and at pg and the necessity to kick it out to a shooter on the perimeter how often are you trusting terrence mann and amir coffee to be that guy versus norman powell i mean sure team man is shooting way better since his horrendous start i think i saw Justin Russo tweets something about he was shooting 48% from three since that dreadful start. So he's certainly picked it up. And Amir Coffee has been solved. We've talked about it. So certainly those guys are capable, Matt. But you really need Norm Powell out there to be that guy that can get you an easy bucket. And I say easy bucket from three. It doesn't happen very often, but he shoots so well from there and puts so much pressure on the defense that maybe they think twice about doubling on a Kawhi Leonard, knowing that Norm Powell is there, as opposed to a guy like Russell Westbrook or Amir Coffey or Terrence Mann. I think that's the biggest thing. It's just scheme-wise, it feels like Kawhi just draws way more attention without Norm Powell. Which actually which actually leads to... is So the Clippers pulled out the win tonight, barely. But maybe it is a good thing that that they did sit Norman Powell tonight. Not 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 in any way to expose anybody else, but just because it is against Memphis, and I'm sure their thought was he's got a little ankle tweak. Let's rest him against a game that we all thought they should have won, and they did, yeah. but probably should have won a little bit easier. So I don't. Yeah, you got to keep Norm healthy, and I guess you know tonight was a move towards doing that. Yeah, and hopefully it's nothing major. I mean, this is he wasn't even on the injury report, and then all of a sudden the Clippers pulled the Clippers, and they ruled him out right before tip. I mean, clearly I'm guessing the ankle was a thing, and they could have easily listed him as questionable going into this ball game, but they did not. Um, <clears throat> many other things that I want to hit. Um, a couple of quick hits. First of all, you mentioned P.J. Tucker. 
when he was out there with Russell Westbrook and Mason Plumley, you can't do that. I mean, the Clippers Wolf. just looked so Wolf. bad offensively because Russ can barely shoot. Plumley has not been good recently, and PJ Tucker just doesn't shoot. I mean, he didn't even have a field goal attempt. In my opinion, if you're going to go with those two guys, with Russell Westbrook and P.J. Tucker, I think you've got to have Daniel Tice out there because at least he's able to spread the floor a tiny bit as opposed to Plumlee who cannot. And so you've got to have Tice out there. Frankly, I don't like the two together in the first place, but if you're going to do it, I think, Matt, you have to go with Tice instead of Plumlee. Do you agree or do you just say, screw it, see what you can get with those three guys on the floor? Here's what I agree with, that you and I have been doing this show now for – over a year and a half for a long time because my next thing that I was going to bring up was Daniel Tice and that I think that he maybe he should have been out there tonight in the rotation because Plumlee was doing absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. He looked terrible. And I was going to say with that lineup, with Hard, or Harding, excuse me, with Westbrook and with pajamas, maybe you get Tice in there. So I, I agree with you 100%. And in fact, it was the next thing I was going to bring up. Listen, we're on the same page. I love that. And also, you mentioned Plumlee, dude. He couldn't box out. He was giving up offensive rebound after offensive rebound. He was not getting rebounds. It was really a poor performance from Mace. And then all of a sudden, Zoo comes in, and he's swallowing up every rebound. I mean, it's it's about poor positioning on finding out where the misses are going to go. And just the effort was not good enough. I mean, there were a couple of offensive rebounds where he just wasn't boxing out anybody. And they got these easy boards. So it wasn't a good performance by Mason Plumlee at all. I'll be curious to see what happens now if Daniel Tice does enter the lineup at some point. Because the Clippers look decent with Daniel Tice. I know you and I were talking about how let's let's see Plumlee because Tice hasn't been good enough. And I, I think I'm ready to go back and see what Tice has just to see how this team works. But that being said... All of this now brings us to the trade deadline where the Clippers did not trade for that small ball center. And we were wondering, when would the minutes come? I think this would have been a game where the minutes would have come for that guy that you traded for when Zoo is in foul trouble, Tice is apparently non-existent, and Plumlee's been terrible. I think this is when you start to realize maybe the Clippers could have traded for a small ball five and it would have made sense in lineups like this. Yeah, this is this is the t- this was the wrong pajamas. This would have been a Washington. This would have been a pajamas Washington time, where he could have come in and sort of spread the floor, but, but also did did some dirty work down low. And you're right about Plumley. He just and it, it 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 can't be a matter of overmatched because he's going. I mean, Jaron Jackson is not the most fierce rebounder in the world. And then there's the likes of of the other of like, uh, Laravia, Gigi Jackson. Uh, you know whoever whoever else was 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 down there Aldama. That that's not, that's not people you should be overmatched by. So maybe it was just an off night. But back to the trade deadline thing. You know this is where the minutes would have come in. But it also would have been in a night where Norm Powell didn't play. So maybe maybe we're just maybe we're just maybe this is just again recency bias because. Gosh darn it, the Clippers probably should have, as many people will say, have blown out the Memphis Grizzlies. We didn't. But at least they got the victory. And I I, I don't know that there are like adjustments that need to be made moving forward, except to get Norm Powell healthy. But in in an effort level needs to be elevated. And the Clippers really need to focus in 
because like we said, this is where the rubber meets the road. And and if they had started off 0-2 coming out of the All-Star break, that would have been disastrous, like you said earlier. Yeah, I think that the number one thing, Matt, was energy. Uh, I think that's the number one fix is just mm-hmm. to come out and have energy. And certainly you've got the personnel. Um, there are a couple of things that need to be improved upon, a couple of players that need to play better. And we're going to talk about those right after this break. All right, so I mentioned that the energy has been lacking um, for this Clippers team and a couple of players in particular. Listen, we've come on this podcast plenty of times and talked about how good Paul George can be and how good he is at times and how much of a sniper he can be. We we know he's dealing with a little bit of an injury. I don't know if he's fully healthy. Um, apparently he is. He's not on the injury report. But in the last 15 games... He has scored 18 or less in 12 of those 15. This is a guy that thinks he's a max player, and he has scored 18 or less in 12 of the last 15. That's not good enough, Matt. And I think it really does start with PG. And it's no surprise the Clippers came back in the fourth quarter when PG hit that big three and he started to hit a couple of shots. Like this team is not going anywhere unless PG is that number two. Forget James Harden. We know how important James Harden is, and you and I have discussed who's more important, Harden or PG, and I've said Harden, you've said PG. And for Harden, it's just about setting up the offense, contributing, um, and doing whatever he can, both offensively and defensively, to make this thing work. But PG has to be that second guy when Kawhi is getting doubled and the offense needs to come from somewhere else especially with no Norm Norm Powell, PG's got to be better. That's my number one thing out of this All-Star break is that PG just has not been good enough in the last 15 games. And I think it starts there, Matt. Well, it's funny you mentioned forget James Harden because one of the greatest Clippers fans of all time, Billy Crystal, was in a movie called Forget Paris. I don't know why that sparked in my head, but when he said forget James Harden, I was like, is that a new Billy Crystal vehicle? Maybe Deborah Winger, they can reunite Joe Montana, we'll see. I would watch Forget James Harden starring Billy Crystal. But to your Paul George point, I'm glad you brought this up because I saw your tweet. And I said, has he been that bad? Has Paul George been that bad in his last 15 games? Remember, he missed one against Washington. So his last 15 games, you're right. The scoring has not been there. But in those last 15 games, he has a total, Brandon, of 24 steals Mm -hmm. in those 15 games. Plus minus, he's been a minus only three times in those 15 games. He's been a zero twice. I'll give you that. But a minus only three times. And the Clippers are 10 and 5. And this is not counting tonight, obviously. 10 and 5 in those games. So, to push back on the Paul George thing, I don't think he's been that bad. Does he need to score better? Of course. And he's in a bit of a slump as far as scoring is concerned. But he's doing it on the defensive end. He's been a plus player. And maybe that's just because of the guys he's playing with and that that starting five has been so good over those games. But I think he gets his shot going again, then we're good to go. I'm not too concerned about Paul George. And I saw your tweet and I said, wait a minute, let me look at this. Good research. And sort of push back a little bit. Good research, man. <clears throat> I appreciate that because I was wondering, how, like, how has he been doing? It's because it seems to me that he's been terrible, um, at least scoring the basketball. So that's why I looked it up. And I'm like, damn, yeah, I'm right. He has not been good offensively. So I appreciate those numbers, and they make sense in terms of the plus-minus and the steals and how good he has been defensively. 
Um, but he, there were times today, man, where he was getting blown by defensively. There were two possessions in a row. Um, I think it happened in the third quarter where he just couldn't get rebounds. One ball went off his hand, and luckily it went over to James Harden. And then another one, he just completely missed and wasn't there. I mean, the rebounding was not good enough. The defensive intensity wasn't good enough. And he wasn't shooting the ball well enough. And I, I get when you say he just needs to start making shots and they'll be fine. But do, do you say that with the top players that are max players? They just got to hit their shots and they'll be fine? Like, are you saying that with guys like Joel Embiid? Are you saying that with Nikola Jokic? Are you saying that with Giannis? Are you saying that with SGA? I mean, are you saying that with all these top players? Are you saying that with Kawhi? Like, no, all these players, they come up and they score. And damn, dude, Denny Advia, for God's sakes, is scoring 20 plus, um, except for last night. Like, if you're PG, you should be scoring 20. Like, this is something that you should be doing. And so 18 or less in 12 of the last 15 isn't good enough. And it's not a small sample size when there's 82 games in a season and you can't have these long stretches where you're not producing offensively because you mentioned they're 10 and 5 in those games. Well, every game matters now, Matt. Like they could easily be 12 and 3 if he maybe hit a couple more shots here and there, you know? So, he's got to be better. So so do we think he's laboring? Do we think he's hurt? And if so, does it behoove the Clippers to then sit him and get get the production that we want once he's fully healthy or does he play through it? So that, like you said, every every game is so important that he needs to be out there so that the Clippers can eke out these victories against the Grizzlies or they can get these. Like, there's a conundrum here. That, so do we sit Paul George if indeed, if, if we're saying, unless he's just completely lost it, but we're saying maybe maybe he's a little hampered by an injury, then do, do, do we sit him for a week or two and live with the consequences? Slide in Amir Coffee here who obviously has not played well in the last couple of games. Do we continue to play Paul George and cut down his minutes, not have him play 37 against the Grizzlies, for God's sakes? I can't believe that. Like, what? Then what do we do? It's a good question, and I think you just keep playing him because uh, I don't think this is something where you can sit for two weeks and all of a sudden he's fine. It just feels like that – I mean, listen, he said the all-star break. Um, he played in that game. I wish he wouldn't have. Um, but man, I, I just think that, yeah, every game is critical at this point. I mean, you and I were talking right before we started that the Clippers right now are kind of clinging to that three spot where there are two games back of Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota is playing as we record this podcast against the Bucks. Um, and if the Bucks do what we think they're going to do, then they're going to lose to Minnesota. Um, I mean, this is the same Minnesota team or rather Milwaukee team that was, thinking about Cabo, according to Doc Rivers, and lost to Memphis. At least the Clippers were able to come away with a win despite how poorly they played against Memphis. So if the Nuggets take care of business like they're supposed to do against Portland right now, they're winning by 17 as we get close to the end of the first half, the Nuggets will be tied at the Clippers, and the Clippers will be two and a half back of Minnesota. And then you look at Oklahoma City, who already won today, and the Clippers are one and a half back of them. So it's a battle for a top four spot. And I don't really know... At this point, like, if you can afford to sit Paul George, because next thing you know, you lose a couple of games, and New Orleans is right there. Um, so, it, and Dallas has been much better recently. So, I think you just got to play PG and just see how it goes. And I'm happy you brought up uh, Doc Rivers and the OKC Thunder, because we, we don't need to talk much about that that game. We can talk, or we can talk a lot about it, but 
I have to apologize because it turns out Doc Rivers was right. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll call it what it is. It turns out Doc Rivers was correct. Shea is good. Oh, man. That, he nailed it. Can't believe that. I think that, that did that one come up before the podcast that we did, or did that come? I think did we t- I think we mentioned that in the last podcast. We mentioned it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So moving on. Um, another thing that stood out from this ball game, we mentioned the turnovers, obviously, were bad. One positive um, was certainly Terrence Mann. And you and I were on this podcast a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about Terrence Mann, Amir Coffey. Um, what do we do? And. Um, I was talking, I believe it was, who did I have on the podcast where I was talking about man versus coffee and closing? Um, yeah, Shap, uh, yeah, there we go. Shap and I were talking. And then you and I talked about the next podcast and we were talking about man versus coffee. What do we do? And we both agreed, you, you did as well in the last podcast, that man should keep starting. And if you need to close a coffee, you do it and because you need to get man's confidence back. And that was the main thing that Shap and I discussed was that you're not going anywhere if man has poor confidence, he's not helping you. Because if he's not able to shoot when you have these double teams going at Kawhi and you don't have Zoo who can shoot, then all of a sudden you're in trouble. And the Clippers stuck with man, played 31 minutes today. He was a plus 14, which led all Clippers. Once again, something that we're very used to seeing as team man leading the team in plus minus. 23 points, 12 rebounds. He was active on the glass. You and I talked about how active team man and Zoo were. The two combined for 22 rebounds. It was great to see team man just feel confident shooting threes. He had eight three-point attempts. Eight of his 17 shots were from three. He was four of eight. He was attacking the glass. He was aggressive. He was being aggressive defensively as well. Lots of energy. And this is why you stick with Terrence Mann in the starting lineup, Matt, for games like this. I have to have to stick with Terrence Mann because he has this upside. He has that Utah explosion potential, you know. And I, I, I said that he did hesitate from some open shots, and he did. And and that's kind of his his move, right? He'll he'll fake, he'll drive, he'll look to kick out. That's just what we're used to seeing Terrence Mann doing. He was great tonight, and he was so amazing on the boards. Just so much effort. I mean, he was doing his best Russell Westbrook impression uh, on the offensive boards where Westbrook, like I said, he had energy tonight, but a few too many threes for my liking from Westy. It, it it just was what it was. I Now, I don't want to give Doc Rivers an, another uh, notch in his belt, but are, are we are we seeing a James Harden post-All-Star slump as, uh, as he as – said many, many times, oh, past the all he was so great in Philly and past the All-Star game, he got sad, and that's why we lost. The reason I say that is Harden was not so good tonight. That's my next point. We're going to go there next. Um, so, yeah, I mean, shout-out T-Man. We didn't really talk about him a ton, but that's it, the main point. I mean, that it, we need to keep playing T-Man. He needs to get that confidence, and if he can continue to be this solid three-point shooter, the Clippers desperately need him, and the Clippers' floor gets raised and their ceiling gets raised, especially the ceiling gets raised even higher when Terrence Mann is contributing because then you put him with the Kawhi PG Harden trio and then the Norm Coffee Westbrook, whatever you're getting. And this team is a lot more dangerous. It's crazy. But if you do have team man contributing, I mean, you look at the last couple of games, man, before this three of eight, three of eight, one of three, oh, for three, two for five. Like, he had not been putting up really any shots at all. I mean, he had more shots today 
than he did in the last two games combined. And then you take away those last two games, three, three, five, four. I mean, that's less shots in those four games than he had tonight. And so he needed to step up and place a Norm Powell, and he did. So shout out to Team Man. Um, oh, and and just and just to add to that, before be, not just his three point prowess, but uh, his presence in the dunker spot, be it him dishing off or cutting through there, like if with him, Zoo, if Kawhi gets in there, even Harden, like that action right down low on the baseline is pretty important too with T Man. Yeah, no doubt. All right, final thing um, before we hit on OKC briefly, um, and that is James Harden, and he was bad, one of eight from the fields. Um, six of seven from the free throw line, nine points, eight rebounds, eight assists, but four turnovers. He was not good with the basketball. He was careless. Um, when the Clippers are at their best, it's when Harden's taking care of the basketball and when he's contributing offensively. Obviously, that three he made won them the game. So an absolute massive triple by James Harden. So at least he came up clutch in that huge spot. But he has had a lot of these games where he has not been shooting well. And you look at the Minnesota game, 5 of 13. Detroit, 4 of 11. Detroit before that, 1 of 10. Like, he's never been known for this great shooter. I mean, shooting 45% this year, which is his best number since he shot 47% in Brooklyn in 2020. Um, So he's shooting pretty well with the Clippers this season. And so this is more of a, maybe he's just in a little bit of a slump. And you look at his three-point percentage. He's at 42% this season. And he hasn't been over 40% ever for his career. So maybe that is starting to even out where he's going back to where he's been. And if that's the case, then his field goal percentage is going to drop as well. uh, Because he's shooting a lot more threes than anything else with the Clippers. He's not quite that attacker that he was with Houston um, and with Brooklyn. So cause for concern or no cause for concern? Because today, um, in a game without Norm Powell, I thought Harden needed to be a lot more aggressive. I don't think he was. And like I said, he turned it over too much. Um, you look at PG and Harden through three quarters, they were combined two of 13 for 12 points. You just can't have those two being terrible in the same game. And it happened today. Um, luckily, both were able to contribute down the stretch, and that's why they won the game. But I'm a little bit concerned about James Harden, and I'm hoping this is just a blip. No, and and you make a good point because, like, like you said, against Detroit, five turnovers, and then he had four tonight. He had three last night against OKC. So if he's going to orchestrate this offense or at least be the traffic cop and make sure everything runs as it's supposed to, you can't be careless. And you you have to do your part on offense. And, you know, it's not like he's been terrible in the last five games, starting with Detroit. I'm just looking at right now. 14-17 against Minnesota, 26 against Golden State, 17 last night, and then 9 tonight. Not that great. The assists have been sort of mid, eight, six, seven, two, and eight in the last five. So it's I don't know if it's cause for concern because I as far as we can tell, James Harden is still all the way bought in, and that's kind of what we were really asking for. And he's been so great. It's sort of like the um, Amir Coffee and Russell Westbrook thing that that I was talking about, like this recency bias, it okay. Last couple of games have not been stellar, and we we want nay we need more from James Harden, and and I still think that we can and ultimately will get that because I do think he's bought in. You know, he played thirty nine minutes tonight. You don't play uh, it. That's still that that seems like a lot. Yeah. And yeah. the Clippers, the Clippers are are just. I mean, they're pushing these guys. Thirty seven 
Paul George, 36, Kawhi, 39, James Harden. So I, I and with this crazy March that's coming up, that's what concerns me. It's not it's not it's not that he is sort of taking his foot off the gas in any voluntary way. I'm just hoping it's not an involuntary where it's like, okay, T Man, you know, you're not Tibbs here, you're not Nick Nurse, let's not push these guys, you know, until the wheels fall off. So there is there is concern in that regard. But as far as Harden's lackluster play in the last couple of games, I would just chalk that up to a bad couple of games and we, we shall see what happens in the rest of the uh the upcoming week starting Sunday against Sacramento, which one Brandon Marcus will be in attendance. And Very excited for you. Yes, I'm looking forward to that. And by the way, still don't have tickets. Um, scouting StubHub for that. So if anybody does have tickets or they know of cheaper wait, 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 tickets, wait, wait. what? Wait, you 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 said you're going to be there, but you don't have tickets. Oh yeah, no, we'll be getting tickets. I mean, I'm going to the game. It's just need to buy tickets, and we're gonna get them off. Are you StubHub. are you are you are you going with your wife? Are you going with no. the solar panel guy? I need to know what's happening here because other I may I may need to report you to the authorities. The solar panel guy was not available. Um, okay. Sadly, did not come with the uh, solar panels. But uh, one of my best friends from childhood, uh, he and I have been talking about going to a game, and so we picked out Sunday um, on the calendar. We've just been looking at since stuff up. since childhood. It's taken you this long. Yeah, it's taken me it's taken us a while to go to the Clipper game together. It's the first yeah. time we're ever going to game. Uh, it's actually he's not a huge basketball guy, but all of a sudden he's got more into gambling and so uh he's been paying more attention to the nba and he's been wanting to go to a game and so the two of us have just been watching StubHub, trying to keep an eye on those premier seats the 200s and see what pops up so if anybody has a an, an eye on some tickets or uh they know of anything or anybody let me know um my dms are open but yeah you mentioned the sacramento game i mean for james harden Tough test with De'Aaron Fox. I mean, we're going to find out right away whether he's able to bounce back against a very good Fox who is fantastic offensively with his speed and his defense as well. And he's a great three-point shooter. Um, he's been really adding that to his arsenal this year. So we'll see how they do against Sacramento. Um, a couple of quick words on OKC. Um, there's really not not really make a whole lot of sense to talk about it in length. You mentioned how terrible Russell Westbrook was in that game. And the Clippers just can't have that. I mean, they can't have Westbrook be as poor as he was. He was one of nine. His missed layups are turning into turnovers, basically, uh, because it's allowing an onrush the other way. I mean, you take away a couple of missed layups and the points that a team gets off of those, and the games become a lot closer. Uh, Amir Coffey, again, didn't do a whole lot off the bench. Plumlee was terrible, like you said. It was Norm, the only one that contributed. And Team Man was quiet. Harden was fine, five of nine. Um, PG again, six of 16 in that game. So the Clippers just didn't really have it offensively. 45% shooting. The defense was terrible um, to allow OKC to shoot 56% and hit goddamn near 50% of their threes, 17 of 35. It it wasn't good enough. Um, The defense has not been great in stretches this season. There's been no doubt about that. And it wasn't good yesterday. The Thunder were outstanding. We said there was going to be a revenge game after they lost to the Clippers in L.A., and SGA certainly bounced back. Chet certainly bounced back. Um, Lou Dort continued to be a thorn in their sides, and it was just a bad game overall. It was ter- it was terrible. I mean, the second half, obviously, was horrendous. There, there are a couple things, and a couple by two. Uh, this may be the demarcation point where Josh Giddy gets relegated on this Oklahoma City Thunder team because they they pulled that card 
after the first half, not starting him and putting Isaiah Joe in place, and they blitzed the Clips. They they ran the Clippers out of the building. After that point, uh, sco- out, out, outscoring them thirty-five to twenty-three in the third quarter and thirty-three to twenty-five in the fourth, right to where it was almost even in the first half. I mean, save two points. So there may be a point where they're like, remember that game against the Clippers where Oklahoma City f- Dagnall finally said. All right, Giddy, you're out of here. You know, we, we they, they can't have a zoo just pretending to guard you, and it's really a four-on-five. Yeah. So what, 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 what OKC does moving forward will be very interesting, and you can kind of put that game as like, okay, they finally made that move. But the second thing I will say, and this is the way I felt when I was at that Minnesota game, uh, and Minnesota also beat the Clippers down pretty pretty significantly. It was it was eye opening and and just there's nothing the Clippers could do in in a lot of moments and against a lot of those players. But in a seven game series against either one of the top two teams right now, be it Oklahoma City or the Timberwolves, I do feel confident in the Clippers' ability and in Ty Lue's uh, rotation rotational adjustments. I think in a seven-game series, in any one game, those teams can certainly blow the doors off the Clippers, and it might happen in a series once, twice, possibly even three times. But the best out of seven, I still have confidence in this Clippers team to beat either one of those teams. And I'm not talking about the Nuggets here because that's a whole different whole different story. But as far as OKC and Minnesota, both of those times I watched, I was like, okay, adjustments can be made. Mm-hmm. As, as a lot of our friends say, games change and adjustments can be made. But I do think the Clippers can take down either of these teams and actually have a very, 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 very good chance to take down either one of these teams in a seven-game series. I'm confident against OKC or Minnesota should we, ever, should we meet either one of those in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I don't blame you for thinking that. Um, it's interesting because my biggest takeaway from seeing them lose to Minnesota and then lose to OKC is that the biggest issue for the Clippers in the last couple of years has been losing to the good teams when they wanted to be one of those good teams. Um, the issue is, or rather the difference this year, is that the Clippers have beaten Denver, they've beaten OKC, so they've shown that they can do it. Um, but that being said, it's another one of those games where you want the Clippers to stay close. And when we talked last, we said the line was 2.5 and, and ended up closing at OKC minus 1.5, which means that betters were coming in and betting on the Clippers and money was coming in on the Clippers, and the Clippers were destroyed. And I said that I didn't expect them to win last night. I didn't expect it to be this bad, but just for the back-to-back performances to look like this, where the Clippers get crushed by OKC and then need a Hail Mary of a three by James Harden and an air ball by Luke Kennard and a couple of really just poor possessions by the Grizzlies down the stretch. I mean, they didn't score in the last couple of minutes, so the defense got better. But for the two games to be like this, that is what concerned me, is that they got crushed by a good team and they needed to cling on to dear life against a really, 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 really bad Memphis team. So not a good look out of the gate for the Clippers, but like we said, they'll have a chance to perhaps look a little bit better on Sunday against Sacramento. And so is it is it, is it a wake-up call, which we hope, or is it a sign, a sign of things to come, which we hope it's not? Because it... It should be a wake-up call coming out of the break to say, look, against a team that 
is vying for this top spot in the West, just as you are. And that was only favored and by, by a point and a half, like you said, and you know, the, the top four of the, of the West, you you have to play them at your best. And you you got killed, embarrassed, some would say, in the second half. And then you come out against a Grizzlies team who, sure, beat the Doc Rivers-led uh, Bucks right before the All-Star break. But you got to take care of business, and you did it in both regards. So th- does the team sit down and say, hey, it's time to get back to business Sunday. We have, potentially, if you can find tickets, Brandon Marcus in the building. We have to do what we need to do, and then not to mention Crosstown Rivals Lakers on Wednesday. So th- hopefully it's a wake-up call and not just a, a malaise that is settling in. I'm really glad you presented it that way, Matt, because um, wake-up call versus sign of things to come. Because for the next five, Sacramento, the Lakers, Minnesota, and Milwaukee. I mean, we're going to find out very, very soon whether this is a wake-up call or this is a sign of things to come. And hopefully it is a wake-up call and the Clippers go back to do doing what they did last year, or rather early before the All-Star break, and that was taking care of business. And if they do show that they're that team, then they'll go 4-1 and one in the next five. 3-2, um, and two, you would prefer not. Um, and 2-3 two and, three, two and three would be disastrous. So a really crucial five-game stretch coming up with the Wizards game I'm counting as a win, um, which I probably shouldn't, but nonetheless, it's the third game of a three-game homestand. Um, Kings, Lakers, Wizards, um, all at home. And then you're at Minnesota and you're at Milwaukee. And that's a back-to-back with those two. So the Clippers got no (laughs) favors there at all because that game against Minnesota is the first game of back-to-back. And that is on a Sunday. And then Monday, you take on the Bucks. So it's not easy at all. Um, we'll see how the Clippers respond. But I think that's something to keep an eye on, Matt. I think that's the next order of business for us is wake-up call or sign of things to come. Wake-up call or sign of things to come. I and mean, you mentioned that Timberwolves game that's on a Sunday. It's also at 1230 Pacific. It's a, it's an afternoon game, yep. uh, PST. So that the, the schedule is not going to do the Clippers any favors. It never has. Uh, and this is... You're right. This five-game stretch will be indicative uh, of what what is to come for the rest of the season. So I am crossing my fingers that these two games, you go one and one. Fine, you lose to OKC coming out of the All Star break. You're on the road. You barely pull one off, pull one out against Memphis. You were walking in Memphis. Let this be a wake up call to the guys that yes, it is time to get back to business. Clippers will play Wednesday, Friday, Sunday after the game this coming Sunday. So they'll have a couple days off, which means that we will try and have a podcast out for you after that Sacramento Kings game. And we'll see how the Clippers did with me in the building. Um, And I'm going to be there. I'm going to get tickets. Just a matter of did I wait too long and spend an extra $20 to get those tickets. But I will be there. Matt, Matt Warren. At Matt Mattawarren on Twitter slash X, I am at BD Marcus. If you can rate and review the podcast, give us a five-star rating. Review the podcast as well, and we'll remember to check to see if we've had any recent reviews. And we will read those on this podcast in the next one or two episodes. So, until next time, he's Matt, I'm Brandon, and go Clips. Go Clips.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.